1: Fishing
2: like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next
1: adventure on Fishing Booker. Tim Kernew is a supporter and listener of Blood Origins from Japan. And uh, these are the kinds of podcasts that I absolutely love because Tim listens to our podcast. He listened to the podcast, specifically the roundup between Cody and I, in which we talked about the wild bear vending machine in Japan. And he reached out and said, hey guys, um, if you want some more information about hunting in Japan, I'd be happy to give it to you because I live in Japan and I'm an avid hunter. And so I was like, of course, Tim, we want you on the podcast because I don't know anybody who hunts in Japan. And so that's what this podcast is about. It's a fascinating podcast. I know you'd love it. I know at the end you're going to be itching to hunt in Japan, but unfortunately I will burst your bubble now before you listen to the podcast and that you as a foreigner cannot hunt in Japan. Yes, I'm as disappointed as you are, but really enjoy this podcast because it's fascinating from a unique part of the world talking about what hunting is like there. So enjoy. Evening for you, early morning for me. Are you having? Uh, I hate to be colloquial, but are you having a sake?
2: Oh uh, I don't have any sake, but I can crack a beer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. I'm 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 drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee. Uh, it's uh, six a.m. in the morning, so um, or five fifty-five. Yeah. Let me say that. No, I'll I'll uh, I'll crack myself so, a beer here. So it's you know we do a lot of podcasts and. We speak to a lot of people, and, and we're so you know almost gracious to be able to speak to so many different people doing so many different things around the world, that have certainly a lot of different opinions and topics. But the kind of podcast that we're going to lay down today is almost like my favorite. Okay, yeah, because it's someone who listens to our podcast. Yep, yeah. and was like. Hey, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: well, well that wasn't wasn't that bad? But I thought
1: uh, I know it, it wasn't that bad. No, no I, I I thought I could I could contribute. Something. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's the that's also the key is that people that are you know have more knowledge about the subject than we do. Um, we're always keen to talk to them. Um, so, uh, let me, I'll just introduce you quickly, Timothy Kernu. Perfect. Yep. Welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast. Give us a little context to how you happened to start this conversation with us. Uh, just listening to the podcast and I heard you guys
2: uh, talk about the uh, bear meat vending machine. And I thought...
1: Oh, yes. In Japan.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, on, on the different... You know, social media networks, it was kind of portrayed as a big thing happening in Japan now. And I thought to myself, my God, guys, that's just a a tiny little niche market in one part of Japan. And it really doesn't say much about hunting in Japan or bears in Japan or wild meat in Japan at all.
1: Yeah. And so that's why you reached out because you happen to be in Japan. Yes. And happened to hunt in yes, Japan. Yes, sir. Yeah.
2: And uh, now I live in an area of Japan where there are no bears. Yeah, okay. I live in...
1: The- so let's, 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 uh, let's give everybody an intro to who you okay. are. What do you do? Why are you in Japan? Okay,
2: I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm originally from Newfoundland in eastern Canada. Um, I came to Japan about, well, in 1990, uh, basically on a lark with a friend of mine. And uh, ended up just being a garden variety English teacher. That's what I do. I just, I go to schools and I teach kids English. Nothing special about it. Nothing unique, you know. Um, and, but, you know, I grew up hunting in, uh, in Eastern Canada. And uh, back in 1999, uh, I basically figured out that I could get a license here. But I had to go through the whole process in Japanese which I did back in 99, and got my first license and hunted my first season in the year 2000 here. And uh, to make a long story short, I hunted for 10 years here, and then I went back to Canada for three years, went back to university, and then came back again and went through the whole process again in Japanese to get my gun license and my hunting license. And I got the second one in 2016, and I've been hunting steadily ever since. And I basically eat deer meat every day. I ate deer for supper today, as a matter of fact.
1: And uh, I. Okay. I'm, so this is going to be an information rich podcast because I have so many questions. Yeah, I l- pick my brains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the simplest. Okay. What is there to hunt in Japan? Um,
2: here in southern Japan, on the island of Kyushu, where I live, the main main huntable animals would be sika deer and wild boar, both of which are native to to this island. And um, then, for smaller animals, you can hunt uh, tanuki, a the raccoon dog, and um, badger. And then for birds. Uh, we have pheasants. We have various ducks. We have a little bird called a hiyodori, which in English is called a brown eared bulbul. We have rufous turtle doves and uh, woodcock and snipe. Interesting. And uh, what about we're allowed ducks? to hunt starlings as well. Yeah. And uh, rabbits. Sorry, I, I should go back to mammals. There are rabbits. Sorry? What about ducks? Um, I don't hunt ducks. Uh, at all, myself, because I don't have a dog, and I think it's my ethical responsibility to hunt with a dog, if I were to hunt for ducks, just for purposes of, uh, of retrieval. Retrieval. And, uh, yeah, because if you don't have a dog, so many ducks escape wounded or fall in the grass, and you can't recover them. And I'd like to hunt ducks, but I won't, unless I have a dog. So, so
1: you can hunt ducks? So you can hunt ducks in Japan?
2: You can absolutely, yeah. And I have in the past, but I just don't anymore. I used to do a bit of pass shooting, hmm. and we would get uh, Eurasian widgeon, uh, Eurasian teal, mallard, a bird called a spot billed duck, which is uh, in in the eastern United States would look similar to a black duck. Um, it's related to the mallard. It's a large large bird, you
1: know, but mostly teal and widgeon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are are deer are wildlife populations that are being hunted are they increasing? Are they decreasing? Are they burgeoning? You know, what's this what is the status? Of of ducks or hunting or
2: I saw I you broke up on me a little bit there.
1: Um let's just say seeker deer and wild boar. Are they like overrunning places? Are they healthy?
2: Yeah, it's Sika deer and wild boar are, the populations are skyrocketing. Mm. And the number of hunters is dropping Mm. dramatically. And Mm. the deer population is just going through the roof. So when I go hunting, when I meet with local people, they always encourage me. They say, oh my god, you're hunting deer, shoot as many as you can. Mm. Um, And from the local government, we also, hunters, we get a pamphlet every year. And it says, please, shoot more deer. Shoot as many as you can. Wow. Yeah. Now, speaking for myself, I mean, I shot seven d- deer this year. Um, but that's basically the amount that I can eat and my friends can eat. And I, I can't bring myself to shoot more than, more than what I can eat or be responsible for the proper care of. <laughs> But in terms of, of for the ecology of the of the region, I should be shooting them and just leaving them lie as, you know, forty kilogram bags of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't bring myself to do that. Tim,
1: is wild deer meat something that the Japanese culture eats?
2: Not really.
1: Oh.
2: Yeah. And it's amazing because you know, for example, I go to school, and I teach, and people ask me, uh, what do you do in your spare time? And I say, well, I go hunting. And they say, oh my god, you go hunting? And I say, yes. And they can't believe it initially. And then I'll show them photographs, and uh, invariably they say, well, what do you do with the deer? And I say, well, I eat them. And they say, oh my god, you know, isn't it, isn't it dangerous to eat deer? And I say, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's safer to eat deer than it is to eat cattle from the slaughterhouse. <laughs> And invariably, then I'll give them some meat. And usually I give them uh, meat that I've made, I've ground into burger meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, they love it. And, uh, you know, but there's no market for it here. People, people don't, uh, it's not a cultural thing anymore.
1: Mm. Tim, when they say to you, oh my God, you hunt, is it more in the like, I can't believe that that is actually happening? Or is it more like, oh my god, you're a terrible person? What is the, like, response to them saying, like, oh my god, you're a hunter? They just
2: can't believe it happens. Oh. And uh, when I tell them I have a license and everything, that's it. There, there, there doesn't seem to be an outcry uh, about hunting, about hunters being terrible people and being morally bereft or whatever, right? That... that... I I have never met a Japanese that I could think of as a, like an animal rights activist or an anti-hunter. It, it's it's almost non-existent, and it's just oh you hunt here in Japan? Oh, mm. I didn't know you could do that.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming Japan, uh, just based on news and anecdotes and whatnots that Japan is a very very urban society. Yes, I'd say more than
2: 85% of people live in urban areas. But that being said, approximately 75% of Japan is forested. It's steep
1: mountains and forest. Interesting. I have never been to Japan. I'm so keen to go. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's it's an interesting country. You know, it's uh, like, so where I am here... I can look out my windows, I, I have a third floor apartment, and I can see the mountains that I go hunting at about 50 kilometers away. And when I go hunting, it's, there's no problem finding a place to hunt. There's no, uh, there's no posting, like private, no entry, no hunting. I don't see that. It's, the land is, if, you're, if it's not um, actively occupied, you're free to go on it at will. Anybody in Japan can do that. If you have a hunting license for the purpose of hunting, you can go on even private land. As long as you don't damage the land or the crops upon it or the buildings, you can go freely and hunt.
1: So it's almost like, um, it's almost like the, I don't in Maine, the only thing that comes yes. close in Maine, there is a, a you know, a, there is a trespass legislation, which means if it's not posted, the land, you can trespass it, essentially. You can yes, hunt it. It,
2: it. It's basically the same here.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: And, of course, you have to use common sense. So, for example, when I go bird hunting, uh, where it's near houses or in cropland, I'll usually use an air rifle. Okay. Which doesn't make a big noise and doesn't scare people. Um, and if I'm going to use a shotgun, I'll try to do that away from where people are, like, uh, you know, in, in rice paddies or something where there's no houses nearby. Yeah. Or, of course, back in the forest when I'm hunting deer, of course, of course there's no houses there.
1: Is there public land to tra- hunt them?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, all, mo- Most of the mountain land is publicly owned.
1: Okay. And it, it, you're free to go on it. And I'm assuming because of the population status of Sika deer and wild boar, there's no real limits on your license to what you can take?
2: Well, that's that's an interesting question. When I first started 30 years ago, uh, in this prefecture, uh, in this uh, state, I guess you could say, of Japan, we were allowed to have two deer in one season. Okay. And that quickly went to one deer a day, then wow. two deer a day. <laughs> yeah.
1: And there's a and, season or is now, it open constantly?
2: Uh, no, there is a season. So, and that's another thing. Uh, when I first started 30 years ago, the deer season was from November the 15th until February 15th. And now it's from November the 1st until March 15th with no bag limit. Wow. Yeah, and the, the, the government wants you to shoot as many as you can. And in many areas now where I go hunting, between the ground and about 1.5 meters up, I. E. I, as far as a deer can reach, there's no green. Wow, massive browse line. Yeah, the browse line, yeah. And it's, it's, it's maddening to see. I mean, personally, and I know that this is a controversial statement, but I would like to see the Japanese government reach out to another government and, uh, obtain wolves and release
1: wolves in these oh forests. Oh my God, Tim. Oh, you, yep. you, you just absolutely got crucified across the world when this podcast drops.
2: Yes. Yeah. But, but by that same token, I believe that wolves should be, uh, subject to limited hunting pressure as well. If they sure. were to take hold sure, and succeed, sure. right?
1: But wolves um, would not Japan, be natural, right? They, they, did they used to have wolves?
2: Yes. The Japanese wolf was rendered extinct in about 1919.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: So, you know, and it's, it's, I think it makes more sense than reintroducing tigers. Oh, uh, for sure. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Tim, wouldn't <laughs> but, the, uh, you know, we're... was the bear not an apex predator in the South Island?
2: Uh, again, years ago, and at, at about the same time that wolves were rendered extinct, bears were as well, on this island. But on the main island of Honshu, and in Hokkaido, the northernmost main island, there is a good bear population. What bear is that, Tim, do you know? So, uh, here on, well, no, sorry, on, on Honshu, on the main island, it's the Asiatic moon bear. Okay. It's basically a smaller subspecies of black bear, as far as I can see. Okay. And on the main, northernmost island of Hokkaido, they have uh, brown bears, which are essentially a grizzly bear. Interesting. Probably the same bear that you would have on the Kamchatka Peninsula of Russia, uh-huh. just to the north of there.
1: hmm Yeah. And they hunt both bear species on the North Island?
2: Yes, as far as I know. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, talking to... Again, the vending machine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is bear meat then more, dare I say, not common but accepted? No, I, I think,
2: I think uh, consuming bear meat would be uh, a gesture of machismo. Okay. I, I think uh, probably locally, uh, you know, if you eat the bear, you'll gain its strength and perhaps gain sexual prowess. Mm. Is, my, is my gut feeling. It has more to do with being a macho man than actually being uh, a good food for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think
2: that, uh, you know, many bears that are taken here are taken as a direct result of complaints from farmers or citizens who had been approached by a bear. Then they'll call in the local hunting club and then they'll try to, uh, to take out that bear. And then what to do with it? Okay, well, then we'll consume the meat. And I'm sure that in some areas, consumption of bear meat has a deep tradition. But I think from people coming out of the cities, going through an area as tourists, and they see bear meat, and they think, oh, I'll eat that, and uh, I'll gain the strength
1: of the bear, is, is, is my gut feeling. <laughs> you know. Tim, does Japan have, like, a wildlife services agency in the government that... Say someone like a citizen complains, I'm getting my bear, a bear is eating my crops or I fear for my kid's life. Do they have an agency that comes out and deals with human wildlife conflict?
2: Yes, you would, you would, could, you would contact uh, the local prefectural office, you know, the, you know, the state office, and they would put you through to uh, the, the, the section that deals with wild animals. And then they would then contact the local hunting club. And within the local hunting club, some members have uh, a pest control license. And those people would then go and then try to uh, take out the problem animal or animals.
1: So there are lots of local hunting clubs around Japan? Uh, Yeah, as far as I know,
2: basically every city will or every region... And in some cases, in, in one city, there'll be more than one club. But the membership is, is going through the floor. Mm. And what's happening is, in Japan, you're not allowed to hunt until you're 20 years old. Mm. And you're not allowed to have a firearm for hunting until you're 20 years old. And, you know, myself, I mean, I started hunting when I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 with an air rifle shooting rabbits and grouse. Yeah. And it, I shot my first deer when I was seventeen. So you know, if you if you get the passion early in life, it sticks with you for your life. But at the age of twenty, I think for the average twenty year old, there there's so many things to do that don't cost money, that don't have any great responsibilities associated with them, and are easy to access. So the number of young hunters in Japan, the num the amount of hunter recruitment is almost non-existent. I mean, I'm 57 years old, and I'm one of the younger hunters in my hunting group. There's almost no recruitment. And so every year, people are aging out of the, of the activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's interesting, and, you know, uh, Japan, Japanese culture, again, I, you can confirm what I'm about to say and add to it, but, you know, the Japanese culture is quite a, from a food component, is. Maybe it's changing with the with the new demographic, but you would I would assume it's a very healthy eating culture. It's very um, nature driven eating culture. So you can't even like utilize the idea of wild organic deer meat, pig meat to sort of entice this new generation to become more quote unquote locavores like we do here in the states. That's something
2: that is occurring. Okay. There is a big movement here now uh, to try to uh, popularize what they call gibier, which is of course from the French, meaning game cooking. So uh, there's a lot of there are restaurants that feature deer and boar. Uh, and uh, there are younger people who are trying to advance this uh, quality food culture and the healthiness of game and the fact that it's helping the ecosystem by removing, Uh, deer and boar and also helping farmers and foresters. Um, That's definitely something that's happening and Japan is, you know, the Japanese food culture is very concerned with quality of food. Mm. So be that domestic produce or be that wild game, uh, the selling point is the quality and that it tastes good, that it's fresh, that it's safe. Um, So definitely that's, that's, that's a thing, but it is as yet a niche market.
1: Interesting. Interesting. how? Go ahead. No, 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 yeah. you go, go, ahead. go okay. ahead. Finish your thought. Okay.
2: So, you know, I get people often say to me, oh, can you sell me some meat? And it's legal to sell game meat in Japan, but you have to have a meat processing license. You have to go and take the government course and pass a test and get a license, and then you can sell game meat. So I don't have the linguistic abilities to do that. I could get my hunting license and my gun license, but going through the meat processing license would be something that I don't have the time or the ability to do. So I can't sell meat. But there are many people who do have licenses and do sell the meat into the restaurant system and to friends and everything.
1: Interesting. Could they... Yeah. Could... I, I think this would be possible. Could... Could you give your deer meat to a high-end oh, yes, restaurant? Definitely. To a high-end restaurant and uh, they put it,
2: it on the menu? No, no. I can't put it into the commercial system. Okay. So I'll give deer meat to friends. Uh, you know, for example, teachers at the schools that I go to and friends that I know that I've known for years. But there's no exchange of money. In that uh, sense, it's like the North American model. You yep. can give meat, but you can't sell it. Huh. But if I had a meat processor's license, I could sell the meat that I legally hunted onto restaurants or sell it to people in general.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Tim, what's the process of getting a hunting license? Pretty rigorous? Uh,
2: okay. Yeah, it's quite rigorous. Um, it's in Japan, you know, the ownership of guns and hunting is not, so difficult it's just troublesome to go through to jump through all the hoops to get to it the hunting license isn't so bad you have to go uh to the prefectural office to the 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 state office i guess you'd say if you lived in the states and say i want a hunting license they'll refer you then to the wildlife division and they'll tell you that you have to go and you take a course Uh, it's usually two days and then you write a test if you pass that then you go and you take another course. Um, which is more hands-on, where you're handling model guns and looking at uh, photographs of animals and birds and identifying them, and uh, then when you pass, then you pass that second test, and then you register for your hunting license. And every year, you basically pay three hundred dollars, and the license is blanket. It, it covers fur bearers, it covers birds, it covers deer and boar, no, okay, whatever. Okay, okay, okay. You just have to renew it every year, and you pay approximately $300. Okay. And now for guns, though, it gets much more involved. Again, you've got to go and take two courses, but you also have to have uh, a doctor's note of psychological health. Uh, you have to have a doctor's note that you're not an alcoholic or a drug addict. You have to be of a fixed address. And you have to, well, in my case, I had to take the tests in Japanese. Uh, there's an exception, I think, if you're an American and you're in the armed forces, you can utilize an interpreter and take the test with an interpreter. <laughs> but uh, me being a Canadian and being just a civilian, I had to go through the whole process in Japanese as a Japanese does. <laughs> And uh, it's troublesome, and then once you, you have to have police interviews, and the police will come and interview your neighbours, uh, they will ask uh, if you have a spouse, or in my case, I'm divorced, they would want my ex-wife's number, mm-hmm. they call her up, they ask her, you know, is he a person who would uh, engage in domestic violence and such things? And uh, if you're clear of all of these things, then you can go ahead then and get a gun licence.
1: And I assume and, you're uh, just getting
2: it, one gun. Uh, well, uh, I have three. One is an air rifle. The other is an old Browning Auto 5 20-gauge semi-automatic. And then the other one is a Savage 220F, which is, as you know, as you may know, is a, a a slug gun. And an interesting fact is that the Savage 220F, used in the States, has a fully rifled barrel. In Japan you can't use it in that condition because it's then classified as a rifle. And in order to get a rifle license, you has that you have to have 10 years of crime-free and accident-free shotgun hunting before you can apply for a rifle wow. license. So so back to the Savage 220F, which is a rifled shotgun. It when they're imported into Japan, they're taken to a machine shop and 51% of the rifling is reamed out of the barrel. So it has 49% of the rifling left in it. It is now classified as neither a shotgun nor a rifle, but you can have it and use it for hunting.
1: Who, for deer does, or who
2: does the removing of the rifling? The government? I, I don't know. It's the government. Uh, it must be the police, and they must have a machine shop that they have
1: contracted to do this for them. It, I assume that's a very and, popular gun because it's probably as close to the rifle for deer and boar hunting as you can get. Yes, that, that
2: and I believe there's a, I believe there's a company called Tar Hunt uh, that makes a bolt action slug gun similar to that. And then of course, things like, for example, a Remington 870 or a Remington 1100, which has a, a slug barrel, a deer barrel. those barrels are again reamed out, so they only have 49% rifling in them. But, you know, the Savage 220F, as a dedicated bolt-action slug gun, is extremely accurate. Even with, even with just 49% of the rifling, I can put five shots in the palm of my hand using sabo slugs, or perhaps in the States you call them sabot slugs, mm-hmm. Sabot, I don't mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I use the French pronunciation, sable. But, um, yeah, so it's still an accurate gun. It's, it's rifle- And what distance light. is that?
1: Are you 50, within 100 yards, 50
2: yards? Um, I, can, I can put, at 100 yards from a rest, I can put five
1: shots in the palm of my hand. Uh, with a scope, so that's pretty or, or is, good? is it iron sights?
2: With a scope, okay.
1: yeah. yeah. Scopes are easy to get um, in Japan, I would assume. You can actually- You can actually, I can actually, the scopes
2: I have, I actually ordered them from the States and had them shipped here by mail. Interesting. Yeah. So a scope is fine, but don't you dare try to import any gun part or ammunition or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quick way to get arrested. Yeah.
1: So, wow. Ten years of (laughs) accident-free shotgunning to then be able to apply for a rifle. To
2: apply, and they you may not necessarily get the rifle license, because the police are going to want to know why you want the rifle. And in my case, if I stay here uh, for a few more years, I will apply, and I'll say, well, I love hunting deer, and I love hunting boar, and it's the proper tool for the job. <laughs> they may turn around and say, well, you only shoot, uh, you know, under 10 deer a year. You obviously don't need a rifle. You're good enough with the shotgun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They may very that. well say that to me. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, but to me, it's almost a—it's a goal that I'd like to achieve. I'd like to say, "Oh, I actually got a rifle in Japan. I actually jumped through the hoops, had the years behind me, and used a rifle
1: to hunt deer, just as a matter of personal pride." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are now just. You're there permanently in Japan? There's no, like, I'm going back to Canada for a couple of years and then coming back for a couple of years?
2: Uh, I'm, I, I've i done that in the past. I've been back and forth a, a few different times. And I, I'm always thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should go back to Canada. But uh, I really do like my life in Japan. Mm. And I do have permanent residency. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the world right now is a turbulent place. If, yep. if things happened... You know, if uh, a certain country invaded a certain island that's relatively close to Japan, I might find myself uh, having to jump on an airplane or jump on a ship, perhaps even.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh,
2: but but I do have a decent life here, and I, I really enjoy what I do, and the hunting is is second to none. I can imagine. Uh, you know, because of the, you know, because of the number of hunters dropping. I go up into the woods, and it's a very rare situation for me to meet another hunter. Hey. I, I essentially have the woods
1: to myself. Tim, what is the process for someone like me, or anyone like me, to say, I want to come hunt Japan? Is it even possible? Uh,
2: it's in, as far as I know, there is no legal way for you to come and hunt in Japan. Unless you come and live in Japan, have an address in Japan, take the test in Japanese, and get your Japanese hunting license. Mm. As far as I know, as, as far as I know, there is no legal way to have tourists come and hunt in Japan. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's a shame because I know there are many people, for example, in England or in New Zealand or in the States where you have populations of introduced Sika. I'm sure many people would love to hunt the Sika in its native habitat.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm yeah. We just we just were, we're, just were in, in we just were in New Zealand in the was where the Sika deer were released back in yes early uh, 1900s, and we were we were there yes. actually in the middle of the roar, and it was having, unbelievable. And having a snarkchestra. Uh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Having yeah, a snorkestra, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it was absolutely incredible, and they killed some really... One guy killed a really nice eight-point seeker deer. I was like, wow, that's an nice. incredible deer. Can, can, can you
2: see the skull behind me here? I can. Yeah, that's, that's a representative skull for a southern seeker. Um, I'll get close to it to give you an idea of the size. So this is me next to it here. I've got my hand
1: around it. As you can yeah. see, it's not particularly huge. It's not high. It doesn't, it's not tall at all. Yeah, it's, no, it's almost buck size, to, right? It's
2: Yeah, yeah. actually, you know, it, it would be like a small whitetail or, for example, a Siberian roe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But if you go to the northern island of Hokkaido, then you get the big ones. They're at least, you know, three times the size of this. Gotcha. Massive animals, huge animals up there. Yeah. But myself, I'm so used to dealing with, with the deer down here, you know, if I were to go, for example, to Great Britain, I would be very interested in hunting roebuck or Chinese water deer or muntjac, and I have very little interest in red deer or fallow. I, the big deer don't really do anything for me. Eh. Yeah, I'm very interested in the smaller ones. Or if I were to go to Africa, something
1: like springbok or Diker or something like that, right? You know. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing, man. I, um, yeah, it's a. It, it... The whole idea of hunting in Japan and the culture, and obviously, you know, as you said, hunting numbers dwindling, uh, there's not really, again, there's no real, like, I, there's no real basis of culture for hunting in Japan. It probably started like that. It just disappeared.
2: Yeah, it started, there, there was, well, there still is, you know, a rural hunting culture, but it is slowly disappearing. Um, and you know, I blame it on the gun laws because they don't let the kid like for example, I have a daughter, she's twenty-two now, and you know, if I were in North America in in Canada, I could have taken her hunting with me, let's say for example, for rabbits, and I could have handed her my twenty-two rifle and she could have shot rabbits. Mm -hmm. But here in Japan, for her to even touch my air rifle is illegal. Jeez. And Even, for example, let's say you are here in Japan and you have a firearms license, and I'm here and I have a firearms license, you and I are at the range, for example, and I can't say to you, Robbie, can I shoot your gun? You know, back in America, oh, oh, you've got a nice gun, can I take a couple shots out of it? No problem, right? Mm -hmm. But here, the system is one license, one person, one gun. and. Another person, even if they're licensed, is not allowed to touch another
1: person's gun. My gosh!
2: So there again, this this basically, uh, and you're essentially you're com- essentially
1: you re- conformists to it because any violation, uh, in the smallest breath, probably you lose your license. Number one, lose your gun permit. Number two, and then that whole idea of ten years of gun-free incidences,
2: right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, the upshot of all that is that there's no recruitment of young hunters. There's no giving young people those experiences that would ignite the passion of hunting in them. Hmm. And again, at the age of 20, I mean, you know, yeah, as because you know, you when you're 20, you're... as
1: soon as you turn 20, if your kid turned 20, you can't introduce them to hunting because they can't touch yeah. the guns. They Well, at the age of 20, they would have to go and get the
2: hunting license and get the gun license and then have their own gun and then go with the father or the mother. Right? So, and as you know, when you're 20 years old, you're interested in girls and dancing and drinking and socializing show, show, show. and all that, you know? Yeah. And nowadays, of course, then games. I mean, kids have games and they're sitting with their iPads or their iPhones or in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. and. To get them out of the house, into the cold, or up into the mountains, and they, yeah, they, it, it's, it's almost impossible, you know, to recruit young hunters. I've taken, you know, I've taken many Japanese people with me. I Teachers, nurses, old students, um, university students, blah, 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 blah. I've had people every year, I take them hunting. They say, oh, can I go with you? I say, sure, come with me, I'll show you what I do. And never has one of them gone through the whole rigmarole to actually get their own license. They're interested, they respect it, they enjoy it, Uh, they value the experience that they had with me. I remember I took a couple of housewives a couple of years ago, and we were walking out of the woods, and I gave them each a haunch of venison wrapped in a plastic bag to carry out, and they looked at me and they said, it's warm! You know, it's the first time that they never touched warm meat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they watched me shoot the deer, they watched me cut it up, and at first, you know, they were a little bit, oh, you know, maybe this is going to be, but as soon as I had the skin off the deer,
1: you know, hey, it's just like meat, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they, they loved the experience. They, they had a great time of it, and then I ended up taking uh, the sons of the, one, of the one lady out then after that, and same thing, you know. Yeah. But the sons never took up hunting.
1: Yeah.
2: It's, it's too much trouble, it's too expensive. No, well, an example, you know, the you know the Savage two twenty F in the United States. That's a beginner's gun. It's about five hundred dollars, I think. Maybe yeah. Here in Japan, here in Japan, a new one is at least two thousand dollar. Thanks. Right, I mean, for two thousand dollars, you can get a nice European rifle.
1: <laughs> Agreed. You know. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's been in, fascinating, in... man. I'm telling you, it's just like. You just have no idea about different hunting cultures around the world until someone reaches out and says, hey, let me, if you want some more information about it, I'd be happy to give you some more information about it. Yeah.
2: Well, if, uh, you know, I, I could go on and on and on.
1: Yeah. It's uh, lots lots to be talked about. Yeah. Well, as you said. But in the meantime. There's a phenomenal, just, you've got a phenomenal resource, right? You just, it's, as yeah. you said, the. You have different issues in Japan. Like in America, if someone said, well, what's the, what's the barriers of entry for hunting in America? A lot of people would say access. Yes. Yeah. That is not your problem in Japan. Not my problem.
2: Yeah. There's tons of access. Yeah. I can, I can drive just uh, a few kilometers, just, just two or three kilometers away from here and hunt with the air rifle. And I could go ten, uh, 10 kilometers away. I've got deer and boar in the mountains all over the place. Uh, it's, it's just full of them. Yeah. And then for bird hunting, I could just drive two or three kilometers and I can go bird hunting.
1: Are you just doing, are you, are you just spot and stalk with the seeker and the boar? Is that what you're doing? Just slowly creeping through the well, forest?
2: Basically, yeah. I'm still hunting. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wear a full camel and I have my, my, my favorite uh, weapon is my binoculars. I go into wood roads and just walk very slowly, very carefully, always glassing ahead of myself. And um, yeah, I've got uh, a Vorn backpack, so I've got my, I've got my gun in, in my backpack with a quick release. So when I see a deer, then I think to myself, okay, is, does the deer have a safe backstop? That's what, they, that's what they really encourage here in Japan that you have a slope behind the, behind the animal, <laughs> because they're always worried about stray bullets. Sure, of course. So, you know, is it a deer? Is it broadside to me? Can I take it with one shot? Is there a backstop? And then I take the gun out and bang. And then I've got a little system I've got. I carry with me pulleys and rope, because I live in a small apartment here, so
1: I can't take a whole deer home. So I'll well, hang the deer up pu- you in you the don't forest. Pulley, you don't pulley the deer up over the balcony and hang it on the balcony? <laughs>
2: no oh god no <laughs> but um but no i hang it up in the woods and skin it and gut it and and cut it all basically i bone it all out in the forest and then put it as i'm doing that i wrap it into plastic bags put it in my backpack and then hike out to the car and go home and then i've got a meat grinder here in my apartment and yeah so most of my deer i actually grind up into burger meat mm-hmm. and uh yeah but i'll stew shanks and things like that and make Lovely steaks out of the out of the back straps and the and the filet, you know, and make beautiful rare steaks and yeah, love deer meat, love boar, yeah, mm. incredible, wonderful stuff, incredible, incredible.
1: Well, I'm certainly, you know, I'm jealous of the opportunity. I'm jealous that I cannot come in and uh, participate, uh, yeah. but it may be good to come and see. That's what I'm I would... most interested in, to to just. And talk to the people, the local people, you know, to just get their ideas of hunting culture in Japan. And, you know, yep. what I actually sort of, you know, as, as you were talking, I wrote down a couple of things is, you know, I'm sure you could find, it'd be pretty sweet if you could find like a young, really good up and coming chef and yes. take him with you and let him then take yep. the meat and create some amazing dishes. Yeah. Yep. Uh that's definitely a possibility
2: for sure. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean if you ever had a chance to come here, I'd take you or I'd take anyone. I mean like I say my my door is always open to taking people hunting and talking about hunting and yeah, the whole thing. I mean it's my passion. I just live it. Yeah. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Well Tim, I really appreciate you reaching out, man. I really appreciate the email. Hey. I appreciate the support all the way from Japan. Um, yeah, and I appreciate uh, the chance to be on your podcast. <laughs> oh, man, we love these kinds of podcasts. As I said, this is my favorite kind of podcast. It's like, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who's supporting you. You never know from what corner yeah. of the world. And would I have imagined that someone from Japan listens to our podcast and then becomes a member of the podcast, becomes a part of this family? No, man, that's awesome. Thank you. It's a privilege. Thank you.